so chapter one, Paul is saying this is what happens when we turn our uh, resources into sources. When we start to see the things that we have, um, the people that we're in relationship with, and we begin to behold them as objects of source. And that is uh, what Paul calls uh, idolatry. So it's, it's starting to try to pull meaning out of more than what the object or the person could ever give us. And we're really trying to get more out of that than, um, than what it should uh, do for us. And that is, that's idolatry. Um, and that's what Paul says is what happens when we turn our resources, uh, things like money, uh, possessions, uh, people, friends, family, uh, anything. We can turn anything, ideas, thoughts. We can turn any of those things um, into more than what they should be. Um, and then Paul says, this is what happens when we do that, is that it creates all sorts of problems. And the problems just cascade. They just keep going on and on and on. It's sort of like that chaos theory that we talked about. It just perpetuates darkness and it gets worse. Things don't get better, better when we're doing that. They don't even stay the same. Um, and so then in chapter two, Paul says, uh, if you think that um, there's only a few of you who have done that, or you like to blame other people and point your finger at those who do that sort of thing, Paul says, not so fast. Um, you're all doing that. Every, every last one of us is guilty of that. And that's actually a point of good news for Paul. He doesn't look at that as you bad people, you're all idolaters. Rather, he says, this is the good news we're all pretty much screwed. So God came and did something wonderful in the person of Jesus and that now we start to live by faith. And that's what he gets into in chapter three is he says, we live by faith in that uh, the person of Jesus, what he did and also what he exemplifies for us to do. This is the new path. And if we walk by faith down this path, meaning that we begin to go against our natural propensity to start to take resources and turn them into sources, when we go in the opposite direction, then we're acting in faith. And when we act in faith, then good things begin to take place. And uh, that's what he does from chapter three into chapter four. And then in chapter five is which, where we are, he develops this thought even further. And he begins to say, here's what happened in the person of Jesus. And he compares Jesus to Adam, saying that effectively what Adam did was cause this cascading effect of turning a resource, because he turned resource into source, all of these evils began to, to take place and it went through all kinds of general, you know, throughout the generations and throughout humanity. But then Christ came and reversed that. And the, he says the reverse is actually more powerful. Uh, what Christ did is even more powerful than what Adam did. So let's start at Romans uh, 5. Let's start with verse 1. Therefore, uh, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. And this is where he gets into the um, comparison between Adam and Jesus, and that's what we're going to focus on. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man uh, and death through sin, And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So, this is where we begin. And this is where Adam or uh, Paul begins. Just as disease begins somewhere and continues throughout, um, you know, uh, it, it carries from us to other people. He is making this comparison. I think Paul is actually deliberate about this, making a comparison between sin and illness. This is kind of appropriate given what we're going through right now. Um, and, uh, but he is, he's making that comparison of sin has this cascading effect. It's not just this personal private thing that we did. And then, you know, we're very individual in our way of thinking. And so, Hey, it's just me. I just, I just screwed up, forgive it. You know, I'll just forgive and forget and just move on. And Paul says not so fast because what happens when we do something is it has this effect on other people, and we don't tend to think this way uh, naturally. At least I don't. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I certainly do not think in terms of how much my behavior impacts the world around me. I think of how it impacts me or my immediate relationship with somebody or how it makes me feel. And, uh, and this is also very interesting in terms of the comparison with what's happening now, is that we're having a hard time getting a hold of that if I don't do certain things. Like if I don't wash my hands regularly, if I don't, uh, you know, uh, stay away from gathering in large groups, you know, we just don't think in those ways. And yet we're now starting to have to because of what's happening uh, with this virus. But it gives us an opportunity to really understand in a larger way what Paul has been saying in Romans and in other books when he says, this is the effect that we have on other people like it or not. (laughs) And, you know, what Adam, what happened through Adam is clear. He says, look, Adam failed and it had dramatic impact on the world around you. And, uh, and so you're both a perpetuator of sin, but you're also a victim of it. You've, you have been impacted by its effects. And, um, and so uh, he goes on to say uh, in verse 13, to be sure, Sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Uh, Now, bear with a little bit of this sort of confusion. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time trying to dissect this. We're going to get more at the larger point that Paul is making here. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command. See, what he's saying here is, Death reigned regardless, regardless of whether you were the person who did or did not do uh, anything, you know, uh, really bad, really wrong. uh, You're still being impacted 
by the behavior of other people who preceded you. Even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, you are subject to the effect of sin, which Paul describes as death. Now, when he says death, and I said this um, to many of you who heard me say this before, death is Paul's sort of iconic word. It's a large word that means many different things. It means loss of connection with God. It means loss of connection with um, with relationships with other people. It means uh, when bad things happen, there's sort of a sense of loss internally for you. It has all of these implications to it. Death is sort of this larger term to define what happens uh, when, there's, uh, when there's sin in this world, you know, when there's darkness in this world. Um, so con- continuing on, uh, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as, as did Adam, who is the pattern of the one to come. And then he goes on in verse 15. And this is the part, if you remember anything, this is one of the most encouraging uh, passages, one of the most encouraging verses uh, in Romans. But the gift is not like the trespass. But the gift is not like the trespass. Paul is about to turn this over and say, wait, 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 there's some amazing news here. Uh, And uh, he says, for if the many died by the trespass of one, of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Now, this is a concept that I've been saying the last couple of weeks. It is so radical, it's hard for us to get a hold of. Paul is saying that actually grace is more powerful than sin. And you get a hold of that for a moment. Grace is more powerful than sin. Now, you might say, conceptually, okay, uh, maybe I can go with you on that. But think about it in practical terms. Like, whatever you've done wrong, whatever other people have done wrong, there is grace that's more powerful than that. And that's just not some idea. That's like Paul means that in practical too. Like your life can turn around and whatever things have happened to you from others who have sinned against you and whatever sins you have committed, all of those things are wiped out in Christ and that through grace, you can actually turn those things around and do something powerful and wonderful that has even greater impact on the world than the darkness that hits you and impacted you. Mm. You get that? I mean, that's just, this is what Paul is saying. It is really radical. Mm. Uh, and uh, and he's, all, he's offering us two alternate realities, right? One reality is you can either focus on all the darkness in this world, which is what we've been doing quite a bit lately, and become angry at what's happening in our world and our, you know, and our government and the politics. We can become so angry about all these things. And we can see how much evil is being perpetuated in this world. And when we can become stuck in that, mired in that darkness. But Paul is saying, get your eyes on this other alternate reality. And that is that grace is even greater than any sin. Um, and that is, I think, what's uh, so remarkable here. Verse 16, nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, 
Adam. Death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? And, another, and then he just, he just piles on here. Verse 18, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification in life. For how many people? Paul says for all people. If, if, we, if we minimize as, as Christians, if we say, well, it's only, for, it's only for Christians, we have minimized the effect of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, no, it's for all people. It doesn't mean that all people are receiving it. It just means that it is for all people. It is that powerful and that impactful that it is for every single human being who wants to walk in this alternate reality of grace. Now, you don't have to do anything, change anything. You have to walk. You do have a lot to change about yourself, sure. But you are walking into the act of giving grace and letting grace have its effect on you and then pouring out grace rather than just simply allowing sin to have its effect on us. And here's how it works in practical reality. Many of us, it's easy for us to blame someone else for how we are. (laughs) I'm hearing it all the time. You know, people want to blame, oh my gosh, the shoppers at the store. It's unreal. Well, it is unreal, right? It is crazy. But then we turn around and we become pretty angry, right? What has happened when you become pretty angry and then you level that anger out on other people? You get it? You're, you're actually walking in that, all, that, that reality of like, this is what darkness looks like. Darkness looks like this. I've been affected by it, and now I'm affecting other people with it, right? It is the disease that becomes infectious. It goes right through us, and we're communicating it to other people. And Paul is saying, you don't have to anymore. That's a a choice. You've been empowered with choice. You are no longer just a victim. You are now free. You have the power of choice, and you can move into grace. Um, All right, so. I didn't know if we'd pinned that before, but. Yeah, can I throw a thing in here? Oh man, please I've go! Got, is this, is this, I'm like, like waiting on it. I'm like, ah, I got a thing here. Like, <laughs> go this for is, it. Man. This, this is why I'm sitting it. here. I could have left the room, not leaving the yeah, room. Um, I forgot to pin the video. I think we were supposed to do this the whole time, so that we're, our our screen is in the main one you see, and then you can still see people across the top, but it's not dominating. Um, so, it, as there's this theme that's been going on, and when you get to um, Romans five, it. Two point time, verse one and verse 12, it says, therefore, something. And whenever you see a therefore in scripture, you have to ask, what is it therefore? And what is it going back and referencing? Because he's setting up this longer argument. Remember, um, chapter one, you think things are bad? Uh, well, it's actually even worse um, because you think you're you okay if you're Jews and you keep the law? Actually, no, it's you too. You think... Um, these Gentiles out here that they're the problem. Yeah. Them too. It's actually everyone. So there's, he's like setting the bad news, but now he's setting up the good news. Therefore, Um, therefore, and he has this classic, like Paul run on sentence at the beginning of five. Like he does this in Ephesians. He does this in Mm -hmm. Philippians. Paul has these things where it's almost like he gets excited and he just starts going really, really fast. Um, and it's all one sentence. The first five verses are one sentence because he's like gearing up for this thing and he's getting excited about it. Um, 
you know, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I can picture him like talking fast and someone's trying to keep up writing it down, <laughs> you know, through whom we have obtained access to faith by this grace of which we stand. And, um, and we rejoice in this hope for God's glory. Not only this, but also rejoice in the sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance and our hope does not disappoint because the God of love has poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He has given us, and he's just like going at it, right? Take a breath. He's like, oh, Paul, breathe, right? <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. One thing that we hit in chapter five and why this has caused, I think, some division in the church. And I, this would be interesting to kind of get a couple of thoughts on is um, for a lot of people in the church. They basically believe that what Adam did had more repercussions than what Jesus did. Mm. That the result of Adam in the fall actually had a bigger impact on our world than Jesus did. In practical theology, that is what they believe. And what we're trying to say is, like, Paul is actually confronting that right here. Hmm. Paul is actually saying, that you think that sin has had an impact on this world, that disease has had an impact on this world? Jesus has actually had bigger impact than Adam. And that's the point he's trying to rub here because that's a rub for us. That's hard for us. That's why I think a lot of Christians actually reject that theology. And they think what, what Adam did, sin, like that's what matters. And then it's just us little small group that uh, us little small group of elect or something that um, carry the, the goodness, right? But Paul is saying, no, no, Jesus's impact is more than Paul. Uh, uh, sorry, more than Adam, um, because in him, and, and I think he uses sickness and that shows up here a lot because in a lot of the Western tradition, we look at the cross and what Jesus did essentially as like an absolution of a crime. Like we've committed this kind of a crime or mm-hmm. sin is like a crime and this, the cross absolves us of that crime. Mm-hmm. But uh, I actually think that the cross is more the solution of sickness. It is the healing of a sickness, not the absolution of a crime. And what Paul is saying here is actually Jesus's impact is bigger than Adam's. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That is, um, some scholars have talked about the, the healings that Jesus uh, performed in the new Testament in the gospels as being um, a parable. It's, it's, a, it's, it's actually not just healing of the sick person, but it's a parable. It's meant to say something. And what it's meant to say to us is that um, sickness or sin is very much like sickness and that he intends on healing, which is why he would say things like, um, I have not come for the righteous, uh, but I've come for the sick. Right? It's not literally just the sick. He's saying, I've come for those who recognize there's a disease within them and they need healing. And so healing is much more of the way it's Jesus thought about um, dealing with sin than, uh, than punishment. So um, yeah, really good. So in, in terms of how we think about this moving forward, um, I want to give you guys some thoughts and then um, I'm, we'll wrap up and um, you know, hear from you guys, hear from, um, you know, get you, you can either type some notes up here or we can um, <clears throat> have some more conversations about this uh, once we unmute you guys. But um, feel free to throw questions as we go on the chat window if you want. You're welcome to do that. This is cool. I love seeing the comments right here. Yeah, this is so awesome. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, yeah so in, in as we think about what's happening in our world is 
Um, okay, so great. We can respond in grace, like we've been talking about. <clears throat> um, but the temptation will be to, rem- or the difficulty really will be to remember that, right? So we've talked about this and we say, how can you move out in grace given all the darkness that's happening right now? Uh, how can you remember to move out in grace when you're faced with darkness, right? So there's, those are more of the like, this is where the, the as they say, the rubber hits the road, you know, where, where we actually finally have to do the work. Um, and I think that, um, that some things we can do, for example, is pay attention to your own sort of physical feelings and, and uh, embodied feels like you feel certain things when you're in that space being around people and you start to get worked up, right? You can feel it. You feel that, that, that the heat rising, the sweating, the, the, the muscle tightening. So pay attention to that. That's a cue to you. Like, I'm starting to get worked up by this. I'm starting to catch like this, uh, this disease. I'm getting ill myself. <laughs> and so when that happens, um, take a deep breath and ask yourself, what's my, uh, what should I do? What, what should I do about that? You know, and, and that simple question uh, you can ask, uh, you know, you can ask God, what should I do in this moment? What would be the right response? Um, and you'll be surprised at what comes up within you. Um, sometimes you won't have anything. Sometimes you'll be just like, the only thing I can come up with is I need to walk away from this as fast as I can. Um, other times you'll start to feel like I'm, I'm getting a sense of something I could say that would be positive in the midst of all of this in healing um, and giving of grace. Um, the problem with that though, is the recipients may not receive it quite the way you would like them to receive it, but that's okay because whatever grace you actually give out, you're also consuming of that in the same way that whatever darkness you put out, you also consume of that darkness. In other words, you can't speak darkness and not have it affect you. Uh, It's just impossible. And so whatever grace you're putting out into the world, it's having its impact on you personally. Um, we also don't know what impact it has on other people. I believe it does have impact, even if people sort of, uh, you know, poo-poo it away and, and, and kind of brush it, away, brush it off. Uh, I think it does have impact on people's uh, minds and souls and something that they will remember. Um, you're also planting seeds when you do that. Um, so, again, pay attention to what's happening here. Ask God in that moment as you become awakened to like, ooh, I'm starting to get really worked up here. Um, what do I do? How do I respond? Um, and, um, and then um, I think uh, go back to, uh, you know, go back to doing the work. I think there, there's a, there's a tendency for us to just avoid the, the, our own journey these days because we have all these crises around us. And so we want to blame external issues for how we feel internally. And, um, and so instead I think we, this is our, uh, an opportunity that we will, we will miss and, and this is one of my fears for me personally. Every single crisis, tragedy, difficulty, hardship is an opportunity that we have to transform, to grow. And if we fail that opportunity, we'll have to wait for the next one to roll around. It will come, but we'll have to wait. And I think this offers an opportunity for us to actually do our own work. So rather than, again, like blaming the world around us for uh, all, the, all the difficulties that we have is to also pay attention. Yes, there's some definitely some bad external things going on, but it's also something going on in here and I have to deal with it. And if I can do what Paul suggests at the beginning of Romans, which we read, um, 
and it is to you know is to be faithful is to allow the suffering to produce these good fruit in us perseverance and and a better character uh, then that's what that's that's how we'll, we will change we will transform we will grow through this and then what happens is when this crisis passes who we are at the end of the crisis will not be just people who are relieved that it's finally over but actually we will be people who are deeply restful and, uh, and peaceful. And we will be able to meet the next phase, the next stage of our own growth and our journey. We will be able to access it and enter into it. Um, and I think that's uh, what this is offering uh, to us. Um, any thoughts, Jim, on that? I think Liz has a question here that says, what's a practical way to have grace towards yourself when you internalize, internalize stress? Because mm. some of us externalize it, some of us internalize it. I think that's even a little bit of what Paul's yeah. talking about at the beginning. He's like, some of you, it's like, it's always external. Like the enemy is kind of out there. Um, and a lot of times these, these situations, these experiences, um, it, we can externalize even more easily. We can kind of look at the thing that is out there. Um, but we have to look at kind of with, within us mm. partly, but I think this, this question about stress, when you, t um, to have grace towards yourself, when you internalize your stress. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. Um, you know, the how is really tricky. Um, I know that I have been a little bit more edgy um, in this past week, and I was very um, edgy. Um, and uh, I wrote I wrote Patty a text, not because I was going to share this, but I actually wrote Patty a text because um, I, I was doing my best not to react, but I was feeling so much of this um, internally, this stress of of what's happening, and. Um, um, and so it made me quieter than usual, um, a little bit more angry, uh, edgy, and, um, and reactive. Um, and as hard as I worked at not being that way, I still was. So, what do you do? You know, do you beat yourself up? Do you kind of go, oh, man, I screwed up. I shouldn't have. I'm a bad person. Remember, we are, for those of you who were here last Sunday, there's some of you who weren't. So, um, welcome, welcome, welcome. But uh, what I said about uh, the way God seems to measure, the way Paul seems to measure success is not by, your, uh, by the lack of failure. Uh, you know, he, he, says, he says, it's so funny, he says about Abraham, like, he did not waver in his faith one single bit. When he's speaking about Abraham having been told by God that he would have a child when he was older, yeah. come on now, you read Genesis and it's like, no, that's not the case. He had some significant doubts, right? Um, later on, the Hebrew writer would say about Sarah, she did not waver one single bit in her faith <laughs> when she was the one laughing at the message, like, come on now, I'm 80 years old, I'm going to have a child. And uh, so, but the thing that I think is so different is the way we measure it. We measure it moment by moment, but it seems like... Like God doesn't, God measures it over a swath of time and just says, but you keep rising. The way God looks at it is you keep rising up. That's faith. Instead of staying down, you keep getting back up. Right? So I think about just getting back up, you know, like, okay, I, I wasn't, I wasn't the best this weekend. I certainly wasn't um, the best that I could have been for uh, Patty and for little AJ, you know? Um, so what do I do? Well, I confess it, you know, I confess it. I wasn't out. This is what's going on. 
and I confess it with grace, grace towards myself and grace towards other people. Like this is going to bring out some of the worst in us. And, um, and that's okay. We know the path. We know the path is back to grace. I receive grace by faith that I am loved, that I'm okay. And I want to give grace to other people as best as I can. Um, as best I can do, at least, I don't know if you've got some thoughts or anybody else has some thoughts yeah. about that. I mean, there's a big thing about, uh, I think there's something to the telling yourself the gospel, telling yourself the good news, telling yourself the truth, hmm. because what happens, what happens when you're internalizing a stress is you're telling yourself a story. What happens when you're internalizing stress is there is a message that you are processing that is going in and it's sinking down and it kind of like goes hmm. all the way down into the guts and you're just like feeling it. Right. And so in order to, you have to sort of do intentionally what is happening automatically. So automatically the stress comes in, we internalize it and it goes down in our gut and we're feeling that internal stress. And we have to tell ourselves the truth. We have to tell ourselves, you are, you are okay. Hmm. You are safe. You are loved. You are held. You can remember that there is grace in this place for you. Uh, that you can stand again. Um, I had a similar kind of experience. I was so like angry after Friday. We, a, we didn't know that Vera school was canceled. So I took her to school and mm -hmm. no one was there. And then we're trying to come back. You know, of course there's no crossing guards. People are like driving mm -hmm. aggressively down our street mm -hmm. and I'm just getting angry because I can mm -hmm. feel people's fear. And when they get afraid, they get stupid. And then I'm getting angry at their <laughs> stupidity. And, um, and then I had to like go in and I was going to, talk to someone like in a kind of coaching context. And Abby's like, you're going to need some time. I was like, I'm planning it. I'm planning to take some time for me <laughs> to change my internal world because it's all on automatic mode. I'm in reaction mode. I am automatically, I'm not doing what Paul is saying to do here, right? It's all, it's all just like coming out and like, oh, I'm so frustrated and I'm angry and rah. Um, but I came in and I did, I took my time to breathe to calm and to tell myself the truth, to preach the, like, the gospel to myself. Yeah, that's good. Israel's saying something. Is my heart, Lord? Yeah, yeah. Speak yourself the truth, Jen. Oh, it's Jen. For me, it's music. When I was the most agitated this week, I realized that I hadn't been listening to my worship music in two days. Yeah, that's really good. This is from Cheryl. That's really good. I was actually doing the same this morning um, because I hadn't listened to music at all. And um, on my way here, I just binged on The Blessing by Carrie Joby. I think Job, Job or Job. Carrie yeah, Job. Carrie Job. So those of you who, um, yeah, I mean, exactly. So it's like music, whatever will work for you. But like I needed that for my own soul because I had lost my connection to my, to my own heart because I was so just, you know, you're, you're just task driven. You just got to get stuff done. And, um, uh, and so having moments to just sort of tune back because you, the reality is you're not going to always be able to just sort of be in, aware of what's going on inside you, right? You're working, you're doing, you're executing things. You're, so that's going to be, that's also part of our reality and that's in grace to us while we're doing that. Um, but then having moments and deliberately taking moments to do whatever it is that refreshes you. So you guys, some of you mentioned music, so that's really that's really awesome. Yeah. I've been singing the blessing over my family and friends, friends all week. 
That is awesome. So Jen sent that um, video to me and I posted it on our Facebook page. Well, then I'm going to pray us out. Uh, Lord, thank you that we are able to uh, just even have this capacity to interact during this time where many are isolated um, because you continue to be someone who puts the lonely in families, as you say in Psalms, and you you continue to find ways to connect us. And I pray that you uh, would give us a sense of connection to you during this time, that there would be a, a deepening in the rootedness of who we are. Um, and I, I, we bless you before we go here. I want to bless everyone who's come today. Bless you to know the goodness of your father. Bless you to know that uh, you are held and that the work of Christ is surpassing that of Adam. Let it happen in our lives. Let it happen as in us as examples of what you are doing. Uh, let us continue to be the loving neighbors and, um, and voices of sanity and of peace in stressful times. May you be a voice of peace, especially to yourself. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you all for joining us. Uh, It's wonderful Mm. to have you.